are in the book of Romans. So if you want to find your way there this morning to the book of Romans, we'll be making our way through there. Um, we started this series last week, this new series, uh, The Beautiful Collision, uh, we're calling it, the, the realization that what we know in our everyday lives uh, and, and, and understanding, if you're coming into church this morning with an understanding of who Jesus is, there's been this beautiful collision uh, between God and man and between the wrath of God and the grace of God that we get to experience and be in the middle of all because of what He's done for us on the cross. So this is our second week in this series. I joked last week that we would be in this series in Romans for the next 20 years. Uh, we won't, won't quite be that long, but it will take us through a good portion of this year, and step by step we'll move forward. Romans is uh, the most influential letter ever written, uh, said by many. And so uh, as we look at this most important book in the New Testament, we're reminded that uh, we have the Gospels, yes, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and many people will look at this and look at this book as uh, the Gospel of Paul. Uh, he's writing a letter to the church in Rome that he had never visited, and uh, he wanted to make sure that he got down in, in a, a letter form really what it was that he was about and where it was that he wanted them uh, to know. And so uh, he wanted them to understand who Jesus was, uh, who he is, and what those ramifications are for us. And last week we talked about the ramifications of the gospel that literally is the best news you ever heard. The best news you ever heard. So my hope is that as we go through this series, as we, as we work our way through, as we go step by step and kind of, if you go on this journey with us, as you go through it, that we will together have a learning and growing and deepening desire for God's Word and an understanding that the gospel is a lot larger than we have sometimes relegated it. That the gospel, this good news, is not the ABCs of Christianity, but the A2Zs of Christianity. And so uh, we should never outgrow it. The gospel, as we said last week, is for everyone. We believe that Jesus came and he, he said himself uh, when he was teaching and preaching that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look to your right and see if the person next to you has ears. Yep, uh, their back of their head is to you right now, but look to the left maybe and uh, see if that person is here. If you have ears, hear. Jesus came for those who were going to hear his message. He was speaking to them. His message is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus is for every human being who has ever lived on this planet and will ever live. That is what the gospel tells us. If you've got your notes this morning, it's a white sheet of paper you found in your bulletin. I'm starting this morning with a fill-in for you that Timothy Keller gives us that is pretty simple, but it's pretty profound in this. Jesus doesn't bring the good news. Jesus is the good news. Jesus doesn't bring the good news. Jesus is the good news. And sometimes we can get caught in the trap of talking about the good teachings of Jesus and somehow miss the fact that there is a relationship and a person that we can get to know and that the writers here that we read about in Scripture are spending time with this man and are realizing that he is something supernatural, that they are experiencing something very, very special. Jesus doesn't bring the good news. Jesus is the good news. So as we begin here this morning, Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. This is where we left off 
this is his introduction last week, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. For some of you who like to follow a, an outline and make your way through a, a very logical passage, this, he, he says first here, but he never says secondly or thirdly or lastly. He just says Firstly, and then he just goes on. So some of you like to write that way, and and, it turns out it's okay sometimes. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. Paul is writing to Rome, and he's saying, I want to come and spend time with you. You ever have someone that you knew from the past or knew just briefly, and, and, and in passing, when, you, when they re- resign their job or they moved on, or maybe if you're in the military, this is where I experienced it, like you get stationed somewhere else, and you tell that person, you say, hey, if you're ever in the area, come and stay with us. I mean it. And then you get a phone call. And what has happened, oftentimes, particularly for me, some of the friends that we had, we grew up, grew our family up in an area where uh, there was us and another couple, and they had uh, four boys under the age of four. I mean, it happened like this. But we knew them before they had any kids. And our family has grown pretty rapidly, too. And so we got together a couple of years ago. Uh, we, came, we were the family who came into town and said, you know, you said we should stop by. Well, all of a sudden now, we've got like 10 kids and a couple of dogs. Like things have changed suddenly. Like when they offered that invitation, hey, if you're ever in the area, come and visit, it was the four of us sitting down to dinner type of thing. But now we have an entire commune that has to gather uh, together to get together. I don't know if you are the type of person who would love for someone to drop in on you. Uh, Maybe you're uh, wanting to drop in on someone else, and it just seems like they're not that interested in you coming and staying with them. Uh, if you look again to your right and your left, and you're figuring out, I wonder if they would want to come and stay with me, they're also looking at their right and left and going, I hope they don't want to come and stay with me. <laughs> Paul says, I want to come and see you. I want to spend some time with you. The recipients there in Rome are getting this letter. I have to say this morning, my notes that I gave you have been edited a little bit since yesterday. Some of you were here yesterday, and we had uh, Cliff Schieffer's funeral. And as we went through many of the, the kind of steps of the way that he lived his life, I will tell you that as we look at this message title, is titled, The Good News About the Good News. And in understanding his life, and some of you know him very well, and his life was lived uh, as a missionary, there's some other things that I've been reminded of this morning that I want to share with you out of these uh, passages uh, today. So you're going to have to flip your notes over right in the back or something uh, because here's the edited version. Because there's three things you also need to know about the good news. As Paul is saying, I want to come to you, you need to realize a few additional things. And and, uh, we've got them on the screen, but they're not going to be in your notes. The first thing is the good news will wreck your life. The good news will wreck your life. Verse 80 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Your faith is being reported all over the world. Now we read that uh, with our 20th century eyes. 
21st century eyes and look at it and say, wow, that's really great that their faith is being uh, recorded and reported all over the world. Why would their faith be reported all over the world, friends? Because they are being persecuted for their faith. Because they are being martyred for their faith. They are going through tremendous trials and tremendous pain, and their faith and the way that they walk through that is why they are being reported. Polycarp, who is a, a church planting missionary in Smyrna, we, we read about his church in the book of Revelation because he was uh, one of uh, John, the, the apostle John, discipled Polycarp. And we read about him after uh, the scriptures were put together. We read about this guy, Polycarp. And he was one of the most famous of the martyrs because what is happening here in Rome, the reason why the word is being spread about them is because Rome would become known as a martyr's city. And Polycarp wasn't even born when this letter was written, but a hundred years later, here's what happened to him. He too wrote letters to the churches that he had planted. He too wrote down all that was going on in his life. And as he started sending these letters out and around through Rome, Rome started to find out about what he was doing, and they wanted to stop him in his tracks. They came to his home one evening and demanded that he stop his faith. That he, he stopped doing the church planting work that he was doing. That he stopped sharing the gospel. That he stopped being a missionary. Or that he would die. He knew that they were coming. He had a plan ready. He invited them in for dinner. The people who were coming to take him away to die, he invited them in for dinner and shared a meal with them. Then they said, okay, it's time for us to go. It's your last chance. Denounce Christ or die. And he said, well, would it be okay with you? I'm going to go with you. I understand where I'm going. I understand that you are taking me away to my death sentence. Is it appropriate? Would you allow me one hour to pray? And they granted him this wish, and he spent an hour in prayer, and he prayed with them and for them. Ended up being two hours that he spent there in prayer. Some of the men are reported to have been there before that they were so astounded, they regretted to come and arrest such a godly man and a venerable old man. They said to each other, why would we go through so much trouble to capture a man like this? Polycarp looked grimly at the, the wicked people that were taking him because after they took him out of his home and dragged him down to the stadium in front of everyone. See, this was a city of martyrs, and what would happen is they drag him into the stadium, and it was a, a, an entertainment that was happening, the way that Christians were being persecuted. And he looked towards the crowd. He gestured to the crowd. He said, down with you atheists, as he stood in the middle of the arena. Swear, urged the proconsul, reproach Christ and I will set you free. Here's his response. Eighty-six years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Eighty-six-year-old man and he is staring them down. He says, what are you going to do? I've spent the last eighty-six years serving my Lord. Why would I turn my back on him now? Proconsul responded, we have wild animals here. I will throw them, throw you to them if you do not repent. Call them, he said. Call them out. He said, if you despise these animals, I will have you burned. He replied, you threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and then is extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and the eternal punishment coming for you. This is a bold man. Why are you waiting, he said. 
bring on whatever you want. I mean, he literally looked into his enemy's eyes and said, bring it on. As Nathan said uh, at the funeral yesterday, that's pretty gangster. He'd be burned to death. He even refused to be bound and held there at the stake. He stood firm on his own. He said, you don't need to bind me. God has prepared me for this. And he stood there in the fire and in the flames. And it was written that these were his last words, his prayer. I praise you for all these things, he said. God, I bless you and glorify you along with the everlasting Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. To you with him through the Holy Ghost be glory both now and forever. Amen. Friends, the good news will wreck your life. The good news will ruin your plans. It'll ruin whatever plans you've put together. Verse 9 says, God, whom I serve my spirit and preaching the gospel of the Son is my witness how I remember you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Paul is writing this letter to Rome because he's introducing himself. He knew of a few people there, but he didn't know them very well yet. And Paul is dreaming of visiting Rome. Why? Because it is the center. It is the capital. It is all civilization of the world seems to be kind of circling around Rome. And he says, I want to go there. I want to visit you. His plans would be ruined. (laughs) He did visit Rome, but it was not how he intended or as he planned. It was three more years later, but it was not as a tourist coming to see the special city that he had so longed to see. No, it was coming to Rome as a prisoner. And his plan for getting there was going to go by the way of shipwreck and by the way of beatings and by the way of pain and suffering. This was not his plan. He had planned to visit Jerusalem. He was on a fundraising campaign for the church in Jerusalem. And so he was going and raising funds and was going to bring them uh, their funds there for the church there. But when they got there, he was arrested and he was quickly taken away. And eventually he was going to make it to Rome for a trial. The way the book of Acts ends, he sits there for two years under house arrest. And as the historical records would go, the tradition would say he was executed in a place just outside of the city. This was not his plan. The good news will ruin your plans. The good news will require your prayers. The good news will require your prayers In the same verses, it said, As my witness to God, how constantly I'm remembering you in my prayers at all times. I pray that now at last, by God's will, that we may be open uh, to come to you. Prayer is a spiritual tool. It is a weapon. It is a method. And in our weakness, oftentimes we are overwhelmed by our need of a Savior, by the problems and by their their ability to kind of choke us out. We realize that we need to be in prayer to a holy God, and we cry out to a living God, believing that He can interact in our lives. And He answers those prayers. And again, today in our modern church, in our modern setting, and I am very guilty of this, Many of you have, have spent time with me in the office or in our coffee with the pastor meetings. I love to talk strategy and I love to talk about the ways uh, that we can reach this area and talk about methods for doing that. And at the end of the day, the reason why the gospel blew all the way through the area in that time was because people were terrified and they were praying to an almighty God 
you have to do something, God, because we have no more ideas. Who do we think we are, friends? Who do you think you are? The good news will require your prayers. Yesterday at the funeral, I had the opportunity to meet Pastor Kondo, and I'm going to ask him to come up this morning. He's going to share very briefly about the way that he uh, got to meet and spend time with Cliff Schieffer. And in that process, you see Cliff planted this church in Japan 50 years ago. And then now, Pastor Kondo has been the pastor at that same church for more than 15 years. And what happened, guess what, is that Cliff and Pastor Kondo spend time writing, emailing each other back and forth, doing what? Praying for this church. It's a beautiful story. And understanding that he was going to go through tremendous amount of pain and suffering in that. He didn't know, but he knew and he grew into it that it was going to require prayer. So Pastor Connor, if you'll come up and just share a little bit as to what that looked like and how it connects to this scripture. Hi, <laughs> I'm Yoshia Kondo from Japan. Uh, I am a pastor of Morioka Bible Baptist Church. Uh, that church is the second church Cliff Schiffer founded 47 years ago. So I came to attend to the memorial service yesterday, but I thank God I think after the funeral, I was said, I was asked to talk here in the worship service. So I thank God for giving me such a special opportunity to talk in your worship service today. So today we are being taught from Romans chapter one by Pastor Milo. So I also want to share about the ministry of Cliff in Japan. I will do it in English and also in Japanese. So I will translate by myself from English to Japanese. So you may be able to know what Cliff did in his ministry beyond two cultures, among two cultures and two languages for sharing the gospel among Japanese people as アンアメリカン。今日私は so when I became a pastor in 2004, Cliff had already retired from ministries in Japan, and he was here in Buffalo. However, more than for 14 years, Cliff and I had kept in touch and shared players' prayer requests each other 
until just one month before he passing away. I got last mail from him in November, exactly same day, uh, November 14th, I think. So I can say that the churches in my place had been in his prayers even after his return to Buffalo. 私が牧師になったのは2004年のことでしたけれどもその時にはもうすでにシーファー先生はアメリカに全ての働き日本での働きを終えて戻られていましたでも14年以上に14年以上にわたってそれからシーファー先生と私は連絡を取り続けましたそしてお互いの祈祷課題お祈りの課題を交換し合いましたですから私は岩手にある私たちの教会諸教会はいつもシーファー先生の祈りの中にあったということができますそしてその連絡のやり取りはシーファー先生が召されるちょうど1ヶ月前11月まで続きました Here are his daughter Debbie and his grandson Nathan but other sons and daughters of Cliff and Marion in faith had been born in Japan through their 30 years, about 30 years ministry. And also his grandchildren in faith are being born now. ここにはデビさんと姉さんくん姉さんさんシファ先生の娘さんとそしてお孫さんである2人がいますけれども日本にはシファ先生の信仰の子どもたちと呼べる人たちがいますそして同時に直接先生とお会いしたことはなくとも先生の孫たちとも言えるようなそんな存在が生まれ続けています信仰において。It is not easy for us to do ministries in Japan. I want to share kind of numbers of Japan, the Christianity of Japan. Can you guess the average age of Japanese pastor? So yesterday I was said, oh, you are young or you look young. Yes, I'm young. <laughs> Because the average age of Japanese pastors is 67 years old. So I'm 41, super young. <laughs> the percentage of Christianity in Japan is said 0.6. I mean, Protestant Christianity. So, it is also said Japan is one of the largest untribal, unleashed tribal group in the world. And our place, Iwate, called Iwate Prefecture, Cliff uh, was serving, the number is more severe. The percentage in Iwate, percentage of Christianity in Iwate, 
my area. The place Cliff served before and I serve now is much lower. It may be about 0.1 percentage of Christianity. 日本でこの宣教の働きを続けるということは容易なことではないんですけれどもその一つのまあ表れとして私は今41歳ですけれども日本の牧師の中ではとっても若い部類に入りますなぜならば日本人の牧師の平均年齢は今 67. 何歳かまで上がっているからですそして日本のキリスト教の人口クリシャンのパーセンテージを言うならばそれは 0.6% という数字になりますそして私やシーファー先生がかつて仕えていたそして私が今仕えている岩手においてその数字は約 0.1% ほどにまで下がります However, 0.1 seems to be very miserable but however I know we don't have to give up We don't lose the hope because it is God who started sharing his gospel with us. Sometimes I imagine 2,000 years ago, who was Christians? 2,000 years ago, who was Christians? At first, it was just Christ, just alone. Then, Just his disciples. When the Paul did his ministry, what was the percentage of Christianity? I think it's less than 0.1. But he was doing, he was continuing his ministry without losing his hope. My church. It's not a big church, but we have continued planting churches in not only our own country, but in Philippines for more than 20 years. とか 0.6% とか牧師の年齢が高くなっているとかまあそういう状況を前にすると落ち込むんですけれどもでも諦める必要はない希望を失う必要はないということをいつも思わされるんですなぜならばこの働きを始められたのは神様ご自身であり神様ご自身が私たちにこの福音を分かち合ってくださったからです。2,000 年前のことを考えるとクリスチャンと呼べる人は一体誰だったかどれだけいたのか始まりはイエス様ご自身ただ一人でした、まあ、クリスチャンと呼ぶことができるならばそしてその後弟子たちに福音が分かち合われましたでもパウロの時代パウロが宣教を続けた時代にどれだけのクリスチャンがいたのか日本以下であったと思います 0.1% 以下のクリスチャンがそこにはいいたと思いますでもパウロは決して諦めることなく希望を失うことなくその宣教を続けました私が今仕えている教会は決して大きな教会ではありませんけれどもでもフィリピンにおける日本だけでなくフィリピンにおける教会開拓の働きを続けてきました20年以上にわたって
And we are sending our church member to Israel for the special ministry there. And last year, we started planting a church in one city. That city was hit by tsunami in the big disaster in 2011. Many people died in tsunami disaster. 他にも私たちの教会からイスラエルに一人の教会,員を教会員を特別な働きのために送り続けています送っていますそして昨年新しい教会開拓の働きを始めましたそれは2011年の東日本大震災において津波によって被害を受けたその町に新しい教会の開拓を始めるという働きです、so Retired from his work as a missionary in Japan about 20 years ago, and he finished his life on the earth last month. However, his passion and his faithfulness to God continue to be passed down to churches in Japan. And also, I believe. His passion and faithfulness to be passed down, continue to be passed down to you also. Shifa 先生はすでに20年前に日本での働きを終えられましたけれどもそして先月この地上での歩みを終えられましたけれどもでもシーファー先生のその情熱とそして神様に対する忠実さは確実に日本の教会に先生が仕えられた日本の教会に引き継がれていますそしてそれだけではなく皆さんの中にも引き継がれているはずです More than a half century ago God sent Cliff and his family for sharing gospel in Japan God also sent Cliff to his neighbors and Japanese here for sharing the gospel even after his coming back to Buffalo. It's not only as a missionary in Japan he shared the gospel, but after coming back to Buffalo, he continued to share the gospel with his neighbor or Japanese here. So he always sent me his prayer request. Please pray for someone, 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 name, name, name. Please pray for her to, be, to believe in Jesus, to be able to get baptized. Please pray. He always sent us his prayer requests. 約半世紀前に神様はシーファー先生とその家族を日本に送ってくださいました福音を分かち合うためにそして同時にその働きを宣教師としての働きを終えられた後にもこのバッファローにおいても神様はシーファー先生をその隣人たちに対してあるいはこのバッファローにいるこの地域にいる日本人に対してシーファー先生のことを送り続けられたんです福音を分かち合うためにいつも
シファ先生からのメールにはこの人のために祈ってください誰々さんのために祈ってくださいイエス様を信じることができるようにバプテスマを受けることができるように祈ってくださいそんな祈祷課題が届けられ続けていました私たちのもとに So I think about Paul even if he even though he was arrested and he was in jail but his ministry was not chained he also shared the gospel to people around him from the jail パウロのことを考えるときにパウロは牢に捕らえられたとしてもでも福音を分かち合うことをやめませんでした福音は決してつながれることはなかったんです彼は牢の中からであっても福音を分かち合い続けました Not only Cliff or not only Paul but God is always tries God always tries to share His compassion for the lost, for the lost with us, compassion with us, and calls us to convey his gospel to our neighbors, our families, and people we haven't met yet. We are also the lost before, but now. We are found by God, found by Jesus. When I think about the life of Cliff, I am asked by God, how are you respond? How do you respond to My calling. シファー先生だけでなくパウロだけでなく神様はいつも私たちにご自身の失われた魂に対するその情熱を愛を分かち合うように共有するようにとそのように願っておられます。そして私たちをいつも招き続けているんですこの福音を私たちの隣人に私たちの家族にそして私たちがまだ会ったことのない人たちに対してもこの福音を届けるようにと神様は絶えず私たちを召しておられるんです私たちもかつては失われたものでしたでも今はすでに神様によってイエス様によって見つけ出されたものです私がシーファー先生のクリフのその生涯を思うときに強く神様からの一つの問いかけを受けるように思いますあなたはどのように私の飯に応答するのですか Thank you very much As we look at this passage, 
as we stay there in Romans for a moment, we see the life of Cliff lived out. Yes, we're not trying to put him on a pedestal that it doesn't deserve, but at the same time, we need to realize that the good news has a cost, a tremendous cost. It will require your prayers. It is going to ruin your plans, and it is definitely going to wreck your life. Who wants to sign up? Who wants to sign up? One of the letters that was read yesterday at the funeral, and there was a number that was read, was just the story from a man who was a teenager at the time when they arrived and talked about how the family came via cargo ship and there was no railings on the cargo ship and how uh, Debbie and how uh, Mark, how they, uh, they, they, the parents in order to like walk on the ship, they decided they had to like tie under their wrists and ankles with strings so they didn't just fall overboard. But as they are coming towards uh, the lights, these first eastern lights they see, Brother Cliff drops to his knees and prays, Lord, if there would be one Japanese who would accept you because of our ministry, Lord, it would be successful. And the legacy that is laid out for us in that, the understanding that, yes, uh, he has done incredible things by the ministry that he did there, but there is a need, a tremendous need for someone to go. Maybe it's you. For someone to go across the ocean, across the waters, perhaps it's you to understand the realization that your plans are getting wrecked right now, right? Whatever you had planned for the next five years, 10 years, 57 years, whatever it is, God might have a different plan for you. And if that's the case, here's what you need to hear. Here's the good news about the good news. Because we don't want to get caught here without realizing the fact that there are some difficult things that come with the good news. Here's the good news. Romans 1.11 says this, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. The good news will strengthen you. The good news will strengthen you. Paul wrote this again and again in the other epistles that he writes. In Ephesians, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may well, he strengthen you with the power through his spirit to your inner being. In Ephesians 6, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in its insults, in its hardships, in its persecutions, in its difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The good news will strengthen you. He wrote to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The good news about the good news, it will strengthen you. Secondly, it will encourage you. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now in order that I may have a harvest among you the fields are as wide into harvest, Jesus says. He says, there's going to be a harvest among you, just as I had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated, or some of your translations might say, I am in debt, both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Don't forget the pre-story to what we're reading right now. Paul was Saul. 
And he is indebted to those who had the faith to trust that God could work in his life. And they went to him, both the Greek and the non-Greek, the Jew and the Gentile. They went and spent time with this man Saul, this persecutor, this murderer named Saul. He says, I am indebted to them. I am obligated to move forward. Who is it that you realize when you look at the big picture, you are obligated to some people to carry that forward, to share the gospel in a similar way. Paul longed to be with these saints. He wanted to encourage them. He often expresses this in all of his writings, his desire to be with other believers. Do you desire to encourage other believers? The good news will encourage you. He couldn't begin to be as close with all those people in Rome because he was so far away. And he said, I want to come so that I can encourage you. He was knowledgeable. He was gifted. His ministry couldn't couldn't all be done all at one time, but he was going to do all that he could to encourage them. Have you ever gone for the intention of trying to help someone and encourage them, and yet when you walked away, you realized you were the one who was encouraged? That's the good news about the good news, friends. I get the opportunity to visit many in the hospital when they're sick, when they're going through a difficult thing, and oftentimes I come away going, Was I the one who was doing something here? The good news will encourage you. The good news will empower you. This is the thesis statement of the rest of the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, in this good news, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, from beginning to end, just as written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel does not tell people about the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. This means that salvation isn't just something that sinners can hear about and can attain by their own effort that good works. No, that the Holy Spirit of God is going to interact in us and through us, and we should leave forever changed, friends, transformed. Let us not miss the fact that salvation is not a joint project, that God did some of his thing, and I did some of my thing, and we put it together, and there's this great product. Foolishness, friends. Salvation is of God. That is the good news. It is through the power of God, nothing that we have to provide. You might be thinking, well, don't I need to believe? Yes. Believe that God is powerful enough to change you and change me. And he is powerful enough to sustain faith in you and in me alone from start to finish. We need God Your last fill-in, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes. As the band comes forward, we're going to lead in the final song. We're going to spend time uh, singing, and, and, and we'll get on with our day, yes. But don't leave here. Don't leave here without understanding about the good news. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says. That that would be like Steve Jobs saying, I'm not ashamed of Apple products. (laughs) Well, of course not. 
This is the thing that he's selling, right? This is the book that he's, this is the letter that he's writing to the church. Of course he's not ashamed of it. He said, it's the power that helps me to do this. Don't forget what he's writing against, what they're going through. The Jews hated this message that he was sharing. It undermined their system of self-achievement. The Gentiles hated it. How dare these Christians imply that there's only one God? The emperors hated it. Nero, the first of many Christian persecutors, was going to squash this rebellion. He was going to make sure that while he was on the throne that, there would be, that the persecution would, would take place. What's Paul's response? He said, there's nothing that will make me ashamed of the gospel. Friends, the good news about the good news is that it will strengthen you, it will encourage you, and it will empower you. And you too can walk out saying, I am not ashamed. I think it's safe to say that Paul was gripped by the gospel without question. Ushers, you may come forward. Are you gripped by the gospel this morning? We ask each week, whether you've been coming here for 10 days, 10 weeks, 100 years. There's a connection card in front of you. Uh, we use the offering play as a time to give of our tithes and our offerings, yes, but maybe you just need to respond to God's prompting this morning. We believe that the good news encourages us, it drives us, but for some of you, it's, it's wrecking you this morning. For some of you, it's ruining the plans that you had. Trust that that's God speaking to you. Will you drop that connection card in the offer plate this morning? Just let us know that God is working in your heart. Saying, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what's, what's going to come of this. Let's, let's dialogue through this. Let's talk about this. Are you gripped by the gospel? Are you ready to share the good news? We pray that you would. We pray that just as our friend Cliff was, was not just a missionary abroad, he was a missionary in his neighborhood, on his street, and in this place. He didn't retire. He didn't walk away. No, there was still another mountain for him to climb, and he was always willing and always up for the task. Where did he get that power from? He was empowered by the good news. And so are we. So, Lord, we trust you that you are speaking. Lord, you are prompting, that you are wrecking and ruining lives this morning, but you are building us back up, encouraging us, Lord, through your word, through these words of Paul, Lord, that you are at work in this midst. Let us be gripped by the gospel and let us carry the good news today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.